Hello, welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the NTT20 betting show, sponsored by Betfair. This podcast is for over 18s only. Gambling comes with significant risks, and anytime that you place a bet, you are taking that risk. So make sure you understand the risks that come with gambling. Head to begambleaware.org for more information. I'm Ali Maxwell, and with me, George Ehrlich. How are you, my friend? How has 2022 started for you? Yeah, it's been it's been good. I've kind of enjoyed the return to to, to normality. Although, you know, whilst everyone else is going back to work, you're going on holiday, aren't you, for the weekend? So yeah, um, I like swimming against the tide. I'm what they call a disruptor. And um, you know, when you heard me talking about bath so much, you thought, you know what, I'm gonna have a bath myself. When some people go one way, I go another way. In in this instance, <laughs> as you've mentioned, to bath following in your footsteps and actually as everyone should do taking advantage of you being the greatest restaurant recommandeur of all time um, and book myself into your number one bath recommendation I believe it's called Clayton's you've bigged it up I'll be eating there tonight 8pm <laughs> and I cannot wait I've, I've had a small look at the menu now I normally don't like to do this I'm someone that doesn't like to sort of pre-decide what I'll be eating I like it to be a, a, an exciting discovery at the moment of arrival but I did have a quick look just to check that you weren't sending me somewhere horrendous and on the menu Clayton's I think it's a starter has something called pork shoulder bonbons I've never seen a selection of words that have made my mouth water quite that much so it's fair to say I'm in pretty high spirits heading into the weekend and you are high energy high octane because that new coffee machine you got yourself for Christmas <laughs> you haven't quite worked out the you haven't worked out the levels yet and you you're absolutely bouncing off the ceiling Yes. Um, I hope you're going to order. When you order tonight, can you say, can we have the uh, the Macaulay's to start, please? And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a new coffee machine. I'm used to just walking down to my local coffee shop um, to buy coffee. And I've started making it myself. And I think this morning I drank too much. And I feel wired. I had the awkward moment, though, of going to my local coffee shop because I know they sell nice coffee. Walking in there holding the coffee machine I'd bought and I just had to collect from the post office. And being like, hi, guys. Yeah, you're basically not going to see me anymore because I'm now going to be making them at home. But can I, as like an apology, please can I buy some coffee off you? And they were very nice. Saying farewell to your local roasters. Big moment in anyone's life. Uh, what's a shame is that I've always sort of uh, marketed this podcast as George Alec unfiltered. But now you're drinking filtered coffee every day. I'm not sure we can say that. Which is I, I was doing that already. I was, just, I was just buying it rather than making it. So that doesn't work. George Alec saving more money this year on his coffee um last week was it was just a bit of a weird one for us the the, the final totals for us on the betting show were george you were down 0.28 points and i was up 0.3 points so uh, we were up cumulatively 0.02 points which given the sort of football that we've seen over the last few weeks with with the efl clubs who are able to play in pretty questionable nick for a number of reasons you know, I think we'll just take a, a sort of flat weekend overall, to be honest. And crucially, our double nap. Blackpool got up against Hull thanks to some heroics in the Blackpool goal and in injury time. Uh, Derby's comeback against Reading meant that your draw no bet Derby pick was a push. Uh, but your lay, your over 3.5 Oxford Cheltenham and your Daniel Udo any time. Unfortunately, all losers. Udo picking up an early injury there. Scunthorpe for me did not do the business at 2-1 against Carlisle. My lay pick of West Brom was a good one. They did not beat Cardiff at 1.6. Uh, Goals and goal scorer, no dice. Tom Lawrence had a good chance, didn't he, for that 4-1 anytime pick. Good save from Southwood. So, 
flat last week. This weekend, we have a sprinkling of EFL action and a throbbing FA Cup third round docket. And we've each sampled from both menus uh, ahead with our picks. Let's start with our naps, as is tradition. Best bet of the weekend, George. Well, apparently my record when betting on Oxford United matches is terrible. Oh, no. My nap is... It's like watching a car crash that you know is coming. Oxford United to beat Lincoln City at 23-20. to 20. Now, a couple of reasons for this. I mean, I'm fairly confident that that price isn't going to be around on Saturday. If we go back in time just a couple of weeks, we saw Oxford go off at 2.2, so a tiny bit bigger than the 2.15 they are against Lincoln, away at MK Dons. Away at MK Dons, Ali. Mm. MK Dons. MK Dons are, in their current guises, a far better football team than Lincoln. Lincoln come into this game in really poor form, having had just a really poor season. We've discussed it on the Monday show. Can't quite put my finger on what is going wrong for Michael Appleton and his side, but they come into this game in 21st place in the relegation zone, having picked up just 22 points from 22 games. Um, They've won just five games so far this season. Their last win in the league came back um, on uh, sorry on, on the 26th of, of October away at Wigan. Uh, that was... An anomaly. They've lost four of their last five games, um, three of those to nil. Uh, in their last game, they went 2-0 up at home to MK Dons, thanks to MK Dons, uh, and then ended up losing that game 3-2. Uh, you know, I, I have faith that they are going to get enough points this season to prevent themselves from being a very unlikely relegated side. But on the evidence of what we've seen in, in the previous few weeks, um, they... Uh, are in disarray, effectively. Oxford are in decent form. Um, the performance against Cheltenham on New Year's Day was the poorest uh, in recent weeks, but it was by no means terrible. Um, Cheltenham were much improved from what we've seen recently and restricted Oxford to um, fewer chances than we probably would have expected. Matt Taylor did miss a penalty at 0-0, which probably changed the outcome of the game. Uh, Mark Sykes continued his very good goal-scoring season. Gavin White came off the bench and, and changed it. That there wasn't anything in that performance to suggest that Oxford are about to undergo a massive dip in form. And in terms of, from, as far as I'm aware, in terms of, of players available and the rest of it, there's there, there are no issues in, in terms of absentees either. So taking this from a pure kind of price point, you know, the most accurate um, reflection of a team's chance of winning because of the weight of money being traded is normally at kickoff or maybe even kind of five or ten minutes after kickoff where um, I think a lot of these syndicates tend to get on before there's a goal because it's easier to do so. Um, in that MK Dons game, Oxford were continue, continually backed um, in the uh, in the first five minutes. And then even when MK Dons went 1-0 up, they were still 10-11 to 11 to win it. Oxford obviously came back and won that game 2-1. So just looking at the market and, and buying into that side of things, to be getting 2.15 away at Lincoln compared to that and also just anecdotally in terms of where the two sides are seems incredibly generous. So um, I'm confident that the price is wrong as it stands at the moment, even if this is another case of me with my yellow tinted spectacles being proved wrong. Um, this isn't one where I'll, I'll, I'll wake up on Sunday morning thinking, why did I do that? I'm, I'm confident in the, um, in the workings. It's like, on the one hand, you're backing yellows. On the other hand, you're backing against Michael Appleton. 
and I feel like even if you win this one, there's a sort of wow. It's that it's that meme of Wario from Mario looking sad in front of a dark cloud, saying I've won, but at what cost? I do like you outsourcing some of some of your betting opinions to uh, the syndicates, though. I think that's a pretty. <laughs> I think that's probably not a bad thing to be doing I, more I, often. Well, I think I think I think you know if we were more professional in this, you should be constantly looking at, at NSPs of, of teams and their, and the prices after five or 10 minutes, because, you know, there's no question that um, those who move markets and those who move markets late have much better opinions or data or whatever you want to call it than, than me or you. So, you know, if we were, if we were professionals, you know, not looking at SP data, then, you know, you're doing it wrong, basically. Couldn't agree more. I'm trying to move mountains with my nap uh, this week. In fact, just to, to draw it back a little bit, if your New Year's resolution is to, to try and stay across the uh, closing prices, I guess, uh, then mine is is that this is the year of the stance. Now, I have to shout out um, probably my favourite or in my top three podcast that exists and has become much more than a podcast is the No Laying Up podcast. It's a golf podcast set up by some Americans well, I like to think there are lots of parallels between the way that they uh, have started, operated and continued and our own story. And so I watch them very closely. I take a lot of inspiration from them. And each year at the start of the year, they release uh, their podcast where they just chat about their own goals for the year, their resolutions, how last year's went. Uh, it's mostly very funny and quite silly and sometimes quite nice and serious as well. So uh, all good stuff. And they always come up with a sort of title for the year year of the something or other and my betting show year i would like to be the year of the stance and you know i've done this every now and again on this show i think of uh, a period rochdale last year remember under brian barry murphy where everyone was being blinded by the amount of goals they were scoring and i didn't buy it and i wanted to get against them that was an example of a stance that did pretty well for me on the betting show i dare say there have been some over the years that that haven't been quite so good but i was thinking about the show as a whole and I think stances are helpful. We watch so much EFL football. We talk about this stuff so much. And, you know, for us, it's important that we don't really focus on results or on one particular result or even two particular results. So we look more into performances and trends and, and where we think teams are uh, more generally and, and, and mid to long term. So, of course, because of that, you end up with stances. You have to have them. Otherwise, our podcast would be super boring. So this, for mm. me, on the betting show is a year of the stance. Obviously, in terms of EFL betting, this doesn't mean I'm just going to be picking the same things every single week because that would be incredibly boring. <laughs> and thankfully, these only last normally, George, like three weeks or so because you either get proven right or you get proven wrong and or the price kind of goes. It either moves towards more like what you think or whatever. You just stop doing it. With that said, my nap this weekend is Coventry to beat Derby at home in the FA Cup at 1.8 with the Betfair Sportsbook 4-5. to five. Now, I'm here to tell you that I think Coventry's bad form recently and their sort of somewhat slide down the table is a bit of a myth, or rather not a myth, but something not to be too concerned about in general. But obviously, the strongest stance here is that while Derby are doing brilliantly and while their results recently, in particular against West Brom and that comeback against Reading have been, oh, and the win against Stoke, probably more than any of them, have been impressive and have helped them get towards this incredible chance of safety. I still don't think they're playing that well. I still don't think they're playing at a level that I think they need to hit for them to pick up the amount of points they need in 23-24 games in order to stay up. That means that I have to think Coventry, who I do think are strong, who I do think are 
particularly at home, a team who play at a much higher level than Derby County uh, are good for this. But there's another aspect to this as well. I think there's a motivational aspect to this. You might argue that Coventry have their have their eyes set on a playoff push on promotion to the Premier League. You know, I'm sure that's true. I think out of the two, there's one very strong motivation here and one thing that one team is striving for more than the other, and that is Derby County's unlikely survival from the championship with 21 points deducted. I think there's next to zero interest in Derby progressing in the FA Cup. I don't see any way that that really helps anything that they're doing. You might argue they'd earn a little bit of money if they went through in the Cup, a game or two and and maybe a Premier League team away from home. But they're in a financial situation where I'm not sure the amount of money that an FA Cup run could generate would, would really move the needle that much. They have one objective only, and it's to survive in the championship. They're at their limits anyway on that front. And progression here would basically dent their chances, I think, of survival. It would make it less likely. Even adding one, two, three more games to their schedule, I think, makes it less likely that they survive. No one's going to remember the time that they beat Coventry away in the third round of the FA Cup, but then fell in the fourth or fifth round to a rotated Premier League team that was just too good for them on the day. But they will remember survival if they make it. So for me, and it always comes back to very amateur psychology, there's not a huge motivation for Derby to win this game, to play at their absolute limits, throw their bodies on the line like they have done in the league as much as there is in league football at the moment. For Coventry, I think it's more about getting some confidence back. As I say, I I don't think their recent run, which saw them lose at home to Millwall, um, conceding a, a pretty sloppy goal, generally having... Uh, they edged the game, I would say, on the balance of play. They drew against Huddersfield. They were the ones Coventry scored a late equaliser in that game. But again, you'd say, overall, if you took out the, the goal scored, you'd still probably lean towards Coventry having been the better side. They lost to West Brom before that. We're going right back to the 4th of December here. They haven't played very much football. Their last game was postponed due to uh, COVID cases in the opposition camp. I forget who it was. But Coventry's squad, as far as I can tell, is fresh, is available, is ready to play. And I think they can do the business here because on pretty much every measure for me, apart from maybe hashtag heart and passion and footballing gods smiling upon Derby as they seem to be at the moment, I make Coventry a better side. I think they've got the edge motivation-wise here, the home advantage as well. Derby's away form is is not excellent. Uh, So Coventry 1.8. The year of the stance starts with Coventry as my nap. What's your next best here? My next best is in League Two and it is Sutton United to do away with Oldham. <clears throat> now Sutton are 13 to 10 to win this and I think there is some level of disrespect to Sutton in that price. We talk about it a lot, you know, if you look at the league table this is third against 24th and I think if Sutton United were basically called anything else apart from Sutton then we might see something of a different price because um as I've said many many times on the um Monday pod, people need to take them seriously. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Sutton are by any stretch kind of the, the best team in the league or anything like that. You know, if you look at the the XG data, they are middling, you know, around about the 50% um, XG ratio mark, which means they are likely slightly overperforming um, in their position at the moment. But in terms of the, the, the gap in quality between the two sides, I think it's it's pretty palpable and it's there. Uh, I'm not convinced that Oldham playing at home is much of a um, positive at the moment. We have fans clearly boycotting games at the club. We have a pretty poisonous atmosphere amongst those who are going. Um, Celine Benisher has taken over and there have been 
some okay signs, I think it's fair to say, at times. Um, you know, that 5 all draw against um, Forest Green, it looks to be the kind of the, the best of the lot, um, even if they were somewhat fortunate to get that point. But, you know, we saw what happened last time after taking the lead against Gunthorpe and losing that game 3-1 in Sutton. They have a, a more difficult opponent. Um, they were half decent against Barrow in a game they drew 0-0, but Barrow still had plenty of chances to win the game themselves. Um, back-to-back 0-0s, even though uh, the 0-0 against Hartlepool saw the woodwork hit three or four times. Um, you know, I, I think Sutton are likely to win this and are the better side. And I think when you look at the way that Sutton are able to impose their game on sides who are weaker than them, um, this kind of match should fall into their, um, you know, in, into the kind of games that they would normally win. They come here off the back of two home wins against Exeter and Harrogate, again, two sides who are much stronger than Oldham, and they will fancy their chances of coming here and maintaining their promotion push. Um, so yeah, 13 to 10, I think it's a, a big price about a side who, well, about a side who are, riding the crest of a pretty incredible wave against one in Oldham who are basically drifting towards relegation. And there doesn't seem anything at the moment that's going to stop that drift. I like it a lot. I'm staying in League Two for my next best. This is a continuation of a stance that started last week, and that's getting against Carlisle. My stance here is I don't think Carlisle are particularly good, despite a good last two results against Stevenage and Scunthorpe, two teams that in relegation terms they needed to beat and they have beaten. I'm willing to accept that they may look more solid defensively under Keith Millen, that uh, in organisational terms and maybe in just refreshing things in the dugout, there are some improvements uh, on that front since they switched from Chris Beach to Keith Millen. But I watched that, that Scunthorpe game live with great interest. And although... I don't think Carlisle scraped it necessarily by any means because Scunthorpe's uh, attacking play, particularly in the final third, was very poor uh, after dominating the ball for the most part. And you could say Carlisle defended resolutely, but I think a better team executes more of those opportunities and probably Carlisle don't leave with a 1-0 win against a better side, a more confident side than Scunthorpe. They've scored three goals in the 2-0 win against Stevenage and the 1-0 win against Scunthorpe. One from a corner one from a free kick that fell to Mellish and one from a penalty late on in that Stevenage game. Again, small sample size. I'm not seeing a huge amount from them in open play to suggest that they've cracked how to build up, how to create chances, how to be a threat ultimately outside of those set-piece situations. Um, and they played midweek in the in the Pizza Cup as well. They played. They lost to Harrogate. They played the same starting eleven as they did in the league against Scunthorpe in that big game. So I'm taking that to basically be their, their full current starting eleven. Keith Millen's obviously going for sort of uh, the consistency approach, trying to get these guys um, in sync, I suppose. But I wonder whether this against Bradford being their third game in a week off the back of a COVID outbreak, which saw them decimated over the Christmas period, you know, physically, could that impact them? TBC. I'm saying yes, but I, I'm willing to accept that I'm I'm no expert on these things, and so I'm backing Bradford to win against them at nine to five, two point eight. This game is at Col- uh, Carlisle. Bradford's last four games in the league have been three draws against Colu and Scunthorpe. Really poor results against Sutton, which was kind of a, a good result because they were down to ten for most of the game, uh, and then they won last weekend against Barrow. I, I'd be wrong to say they were at some free flowing best against Barrow. They were they were gifted two goals really. I can't stress enough that Bradford aren't playing amazingly. I know the fans aren't loving it and I can see why they wouldn't be. I honestly don't think they are too far off in general. 
Cook's return up front should really help with this. I think there's there's probably a risk of, you know, you talked about DK, you talked about England batsmen uh, and the phenomenon of them kind of being higher rated the more they are absent. I wonder if Andy Cook has this a little bit up front for Bradford, but he's clearly their best option, uh, even aside from scoring goals in terms of hold-up play. So I'm putting some hope on, on him continuing his goal-scoring form this weekend. Angol playing off the left is a bit hit and miss in general, but I do think he ha- he is a goal threat. Um, he doesn't always take those chances and he doesn't maybe offer that much outside of that. But I think he's a bit of a nuisance, bit of a goal threat. So I'm going to maintain that for a few more weeks at least, until I get proven wrong, that Bradford are better than 12th in the table suggests and will finish higher than that. And I'm going to maintain, probably for this week only, that Carlisle haven't turned a huge corner under Millen. And so I think Bradford are the better team here, priced up as outsiders. Bradford, my next best pick at 9-5, to 2.8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Don't forget that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions or match odds for all EFL games. It's applicable to singles and to multiples as well. No cash-out suspensions whatsoever during these EFL games on match odds bets. We're going to the exchange now, George, and we're laying some big dogs. Taking on the greed of the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I um, I am laying Newcastle. I mean, I, I love the FA Cup third round. I think there are often some massive um, punting opportunities. Uh, as we are recording right now, it has emerged, for example, with Manchester City, who are playing Swindon on Friday night, that Pep Guardiola and um, 14 backroom staff and seven first-team players have tested positive for COVID at Manchester City. Uh, including Pep. We don't know who the first team players are. Um, and you would think, therefore, that there is an angle, and you know, City clearly don't want to, they, they've said they don't want the game to be postponed, so you think there might be an angle there to get against City. We've already seen the market move a bit. Um, it's interesting to look at, at teams, at, um, at matches where the... Um, you know, the motivation for certain clubs might not be there, I think, is always a key one. Uh, and also the playing style of the, of the team that they're playing against, whether they're a team who like to frustrate, whether they're in the FL side who it's in their best interests to to qualify or not. And I think the Newcastle-Cambridge game gives us a perfect example of one where the home team, the Premier League side, this is probably the least important match of their, of their season um, in total, really. Uh, Newcastle, under new ownership, basically need to stay up. It, it, it's. It, I can't really remember a time where um, a Premier League side have the desire and the need to maintain their Premier League status is so important given the new ownership and the investment that is required in the summer and that the owners want to make. So any cup run you would think will just be a, a massive distraction. Uh, Ali, you and I went up in 2020 uh, this very week to go and watch Oxford play at St James's Park. And it was fair to say, albeit, you know, of course, that was under Mike Ashley's ownership, but it was fair to say that the the magic of the cup hadn't really um, seemingly uh, been um, taken on by the Newcastle fans. There were very few home fans there and those that were there didn't really make much of a noise and it, it didn't really feel like a, 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 a cup tie in the eyes of, of the home side. And that would probably be the case here, welcoming a, a side in League One in Cambridge. But I think Cambridge are kind of the perfect type of EFL team that you want to side with in times of a um, of a of a cup set. We know that under Mark Bonner they play uh, a, an attacking brand, an attacking style of football. They're not a team who will go into their shell. 
Um, they have a player in Wes Houlihan who will fancy his, a bit, his chances of unlocking what it's going to be a decent um, defence. We've seen under Mark Bonner's reign so far a couple of interesting games they've had against higher opposition, higher league opposition. Uh, last season, in the first in the first round of the Carabao Cup, they beat Birmingham one 0 at St Andrews. Uh, earlier this season, they went to the Den, they went to Millwall, and went went one 0 up before losing the game three one, but put in a good performance. You know, Bonner seems to me to be a manager who wants to, you know, who can, who can get his team to step up when facing high league opposition. And given, you know, their decent season so far for Cambridge, this kind of feels like a bit of a free hit where. Um, you know they're currently in 16th they're five points clear of the relegation zone yes they're not safe but at the same time this isn't going to be a game where they go into it thinking we could do without this you know we could do without a replay they're going to fancy their chance of going to Newcastle and, and getting a result so Newcastle I think three on to win the game um, they have loads of injury question marks around their team as well Kieran Clark, uh, Joe Willock, Carl Darlow, Matt Ritchie all missed their last game due to Covid issues other Loads of absentees. Callum Wilson's out. Alan Samaxima looks like he's going to be out as well. Uh, Jamal Lewis, Ryan Fraser. Um, so it, it could be a weakened side by, necess- by necessity. Uh, but similarly, Eddie Howe might choose to play a weakened side as well because, as I say, I, I don't think there's going to be much disappointment here. Um, the Newcastle fans do not strike me as, as as ones who will be overly critical if Newcastle bow out, given the you know the what of fifteen games, twenty games they've got left to the season, or less than twenty, but fifteen games left of the season to try and preserve their Premier League status. Um, so I am laying Newcastle to beat uh, to beat Cambridge at one point three one. I have laid Burnley against Huddersfield. I have been matched at one point seven five. You mentioned that it's just come out that Dyche is, is missing this game due to COVID. That wasn't a part of my working here. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm not going to bang on about how that's a, b- a big part of this. I'm, I'll put that to one side. I, d- I don't think that Burnley care a huge amount about the FA Cup. Um, looking back at the last few years, you know, last season they struggled to get past MK Dons on penalties in the third round. They beat Fulham, who were obviously struggling in the Prem at the time, 3-0. And then they lost at, at home to, to a championship Bournemouth side, 2-0, in the round of 16, the, the fifth round. Um, the year before that, they got past League One Posh, 4-2. And then they lost at home to Norwich. Year before that, they edged past Barnsley. They lost to City. Uh, they'd also lost to City in the third round the previous year. And the one before that, of course, they were on the end of, of a great cup set. They lost at home to Lincoln City, uh, who were then of the National League with the Cowleys. It's pretty consistently for Burnley, a bunch of, of fringe players. In this instance, I'm expecting to see Eric Peters and Phil Bardsley and Kevin Long and Dale Stevens and Vidra and Barnes or Rodriguez. These guys who aren't playing a huge amount because Dyche has a pretty settled core of first-teamers for the most part. He's not a manager that offers a huge amount of opportunity to break into a team. And so I think even the small potential motivation of, oh, if I score, if I play well against Huddersfield in the third round, I might start in the next league game. I'm not sure that Dyche really operates like that. I'm aware that I'm making a lot of sweeping statements here, some of which might be wrong, but it's the year of the stance. So here we go. Will there be a vociferous home crowd at Burnley for this FA Cup third round game at home to Huddersfield? I'm going to say no. Uh, I think these are fans who are who are more focused on surviving in the Premier League. They are part of four teams scrambling for one survival spot by the looks of things. They're, they're probably the team most likely to stay up still. That seems to be the general consensus. Um, but I just don't see there being huge motivation here. Huddersfield, 
it's quite hard to predict their exact motivation here, but they're on a good run. Crucially for this, they are so much more sound defensively than they were previously under Corbyn. We saw that away at Blackburn uh, just a couple of days ago. Brilliant last-ditch stuff. The back three doing great things. And crucially as well, when playing against Burnley, they've got the best defensive set-piece record in the championship. Looking at Opta Analyst, the best XG against record when defending set-pieces. So that's obviously a big tick in the box here as well. I, I don't I don't really like this as a meaningful phrase, George, but just as a fun way to round this off, it's quite fun to say on FA Cup third round weekend, there's X places between these two teams in the pyramid. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's like there's 95 places between Chelsea and Chesterfield or whatever it is. There's only seven places between Burnley and Huddersfield in the English pyramid. You know, frivolous because there's obviously a gap in division. <laughs> but this is the equivalent of Huddersfield playing Preston. Burnley are, t- are too short for me. Uh, I've laid them tongue-in-cheek, obviously. but You've laid them tongue-in-cheek? Don't start making bets for gags. No, no, just that, just that seven places between them, Gag. Um, great to take on a PL fat cat, George. So there you go. Mm. Laying Burnley this weekend. I'll take on the fattest of the, of the fat. That's yes. God, that's a big cat. Goals and then goal scorers. So I think this is my strongest goals pick of the season. Wow. I think the unders in uh, Barnsley against Barrow, at where the overs and unders line is, is nine to ten each side. Uh, and I think that is mad. You've got a Barnsley side who under Poya Asbagi um, have been made more solid defensively, um, but in terms of, of an attacking force have been really lacking, you know, really struggling to create chances in games. Uh, that will, of course, come. And here they are playing against a, a League Two side. So we can anticipate something of a, of a turnaround there. But it would be a big switch for Barnsley to become a free scoring side and in Barrow we've got the team who I think averaged the the lowest xg total per match um at the moment in in league two their xg per game four is 1.1 against it's 1.0 they are a side who do not score many goals don't concede many either we saw them in the last round hosting Ipswich they won the game 2-0 they were very impressive in doing so they managed to keep Ipswich totally at arm's length throughout the whole game, but something in, in the second half, which improved a bit, but they were, were fairly good. Um, you know, I fancy Barrow to possibly spring a bit of an upset here, maybe, but I think the way to play this has to be getting against goals. Um, there's, there's very little in either, to, in either side to suggest, um, you know, both are very solid defensive teams and both offer little going forward. And even though there's a golfing class between the two, do I anticipate a game where we're going to see plenty of goals for that reason? Absolutely not. Um, I think that unders should be massive favourite here. So yeah, under two and a half at, at nine to ten is my my goals bet. I'm sticking with an over two point five treble, uh, one from the FA Cup, one from League One, one from League Two, and well, it's a continuation of Stance Week, the year of the Stance, because these are all overs favourites of mine that you'll recognise from the last few weeks. Um, overs at, at Rotherham versus QPR. I think this is actually QPR versus Rotherham in the FA Cups. Even money with the Betfair Sportsbook. Um, QPR I still see as a, a fairly loose team um, that they're obviously missing some key men who have popped off to the Africa Cup of Nations and Rotherham come into this with even if they rotate ever so slightly you know they've got such a well-built squad that I think Paul Warren's style of play is pretty repeatable even with a couple of fringe players involved I see this being a, a bit of a free hit for both teams really they both got bigger fish to fry in the league I think they're just going to be uh, trying to have some fun here so even money overs is, is a big one for me I think Rotherham can 
I think Rotherham could do some damage. I think there might be a price as well, to be honest with you. Accrington against MK Dons, because Accrington home games are just a, a, a particularly against sort of top half teams, just a real go-to of mine. Uh, I'm aware that I picked Accrington against Rotherham at home the other day, and it was a 1-0 uh, final score, but just to run through their other home games this season against good teams, they lost 4-1 to Wigan, 4-1 to Plymouth, 2-2 draw with Pompey, 3-2 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday, 2-1 win against Ipswich. Um, that There are goals, generally, at Accrington when the good sides come to town, and MK are still in that box for me, 20-23, that one. And then Cole U against Rochdale. Rochdale, my favourite agents of chaos, aren't they? And um, I see no reason for that not to continue. I think they can have a bit of fun with Koyu, uh, even money. So the, the treble is 7.48, over 2.5 goals. Rotherham QPR, Accrington MK Dons, Colchester Rochdale, 7.48 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And remember, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders with the Betfair Sportsbook, you'll receive a £5 free bet also to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that, so check them out on site. George, there's something magical about FA Cup third round weekend. We both still feel it, and it's reflected in our goal scorer picks this weekend. Shooting for the stars. Yeah, I'm backing Kane Kessler Hayden to score any time against Manchester City at 35 to 1. Uh, it was 40 to 1 before we recorded, but it's changed because of the, the news coming out of Man City. And I, you know, I, I, I'd rather back it now at 35 to 1 than I would have done before the show at 40 to 1, given what we know. I, I think there's a fair chance. You know, I mentioned earlier about all the absentees from City. I think there's a fair chance City almost throw the towel in here. I, I think their, their willingness to play the game, you know, as I say, all report to the time of recording at about half past 12 on Thursday, uh, that um, City have no intention at all of um, of postponing or, or asking for a postponement. That in itself seems to me to be uh, an admission that it's not the most important game, basically. Like this is an opportunity for them to play um, a, a basically a youth team and see how it goes. Now, there's every chance, of course, like the Wickham game um, in the Carabao Cup, that it's a couple of youth team players and then loads of international players who would be sold for 50 million plus. I understand that. And if that is the case, then this bet is probably going to lose. But on the off chance that we are going to see a massively weakened side, which is easily doable. You know, at the moment, City are trading about 1.15. I feel like they could go off anywhere between 1.5 if it's a, a proper, proper youth team to, I mean, maybe even bigger down to about 108 if, <laughs> if if the team news actually comes out and they've got a and they've got a decent side playing so taking a bit of a chance uh, he is a player who plays it like in a very attacking right um kind of wing back role uh, the game against northampton the 5-2 was the only game he hasn't had a shot in dating back to the 16th of october he's massively due a goal playing 90 minutes in most games his shots his shot stats bef- from that rochdale game read 1 2 1 2 3 1 2 1 He's a right back by name, but in terms of where he plays, he's pushing up much higher on the pitch. And if it is a game where um, where they are, it, it's a poor City side, you know, and Swindon do have opportunities to attack, he'll be part of that. So at 35 to 1 anytime, he's my goal scorer pick. A scorer in the last round, of course, in their win away at Walsall, Kessler Hayden. Uh, and I'm going back to what I love the most here. Owen O'Connell, a centre-back who plays for Rochdale, 25-1 to any time with the Betfair Sportsbook to score in their game against Colchester United this weekend. Very, very straightforward this. Uh, Rochdale, per the Opta Analyst website, have the highest XG created from set-piece situations in League 2 this season. And who has the worst defensive numbers from set plays? 
Colchester United, their opponents this week. There's enough now in half a season to suggest that that makes Rochdale a very strong side at creating good chances from set pieces and Colchester repeatably bad at that. So O'Connell is the one that stands out. Uh, Obviously, Beasley gets his head on a fair bit because he's a big fella, but so is O'Connell. Kelly provides good delivery from these situations. O'Connell also... Uh, you can get you can get a bit overexcited by the amount of shots you see him having, and then you realise that a lot of them are just pot shots from 30 yards. He's the one that steps forward from the heart of the defence, and he's not afraid to have a go from range. I mean, he hasn't scored a long ranger yet this season, but he's got good technique. He is a ball-playing defender, so he can strike them fairly well. And maybe one of them will fly in. Uh, my longest ever set-piece goal winner, George, as you might remember, was semi-agile Absolutely. for Rotherham against Leeds. I backed Wallop. him to score at 80 to 1 from a set piece and instead he scored from 30 yards so you'll always take that uh, O'Connell's 55 to 1 first and last I'm taking 25 to 1 anytime for the pick this weekend Owen O'Connell for Rochdale against Colchester United recap your picks please and then we can head into the weekend with hope in our hearts uh, my nap is Oxford to beat Lincoln away um, my next best is Sutton to beat Oldham away I'm laying Newcastle at home to Cambridge unders in Barnsley against uh, Barrow and Kane Kessler, Kane Kessler Hayden score any time against Manchester City at 35-1 to 1. Coventry my nap 1.8 at home to Derby my next best, Bradford City, 2.8, 9-5 away to Carlisle. I'm laying Burnley. I've been matched at 1.75. They're playing Huddersfield in the FA Cup this weekend. My goals pick is a treble over 2.5 goals in QPR, Rotherham, Accrington, MK Dons and Colchester, Rochdale at 7.48 with the Betfair Sportsbook and Owen O'Connell, 25-1 to at any time. Betfair Sportsbook, best price here for Owen O'Connell and I'm making the most of it. I am super excited about this, George, full of energy. And thank you for joining me on this week's Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. Huge thank you to our sponsors, Betfair, who continue to support this podcast, allow us to do what we do twice weekly, covering the EFL as best we can. Hopefully this has been an enjoyable sound of the start of your weekend. We'll talk again on Monday.